Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Good morning. It's so awesome to be here with you guys this morning. What a privilege. Um, We've known Pastor Ryan for a number of years through MFI, uh, Ministers Fellowship International, as well as he helped do some videography just like that for us after the earthquake happened in 2010 to help share more about uh, Haiti Rise and what we do and who we are. So we've been good friends for a while, and when he shared with us that he's planting a church, we were so excited. Uh, You've been on our hearts. We pray for you whenever we think of you and whenever we've talked with Pastor Ryan. And uh, it's just awesome to see what God is doing here. In what area would you call this? Ogden? Here. (laughs) Not sure. (laughs) Okay, Deerfoot Meadows. Yay. That's awesome. Well, Mark was supposed to be here with you this morning. And can can I just be a little bit honest and make a confession? I was mad at him that he's not here. <laughs> but as you probably heard in February, we had some unrest happen in Haiti and lots of protesting and things kind of got turned a little upside down for us. Uh, we had to change our schedule up and uh, we had a number of teams that canceled and so his back and forth travels changed and uh, he was actually supposed to leave last Monday. He came home for a week and a half. He was supposed to go back to Haiti last Monday and um, he got really sick. Uh, he's had, he got a fever and I don't know, really bad, terrible cough and all this. And I'm like, well, you could still stay one more week and still speak. <laughs> but um, he leaves tomorrow, but he's still quite sick. So please pray for him. Uh, he did want to be here this morning. He got up and he's like, maybe I can go, but you still have to speak. So I was still mad at him. <laughs> But no, I'm really glad to be with you guys here this morning. It's such a a blessing and a privilege. Um, Mark and I met in Jamaica while he was going to Bible school there after high school. And I went on my first missions trip there from Washington State. I'm from Seattle area. My mom is here with me, Betty. (laughs) And my oldest son, he's 15, Asher. (laughs) And uh, we have six kids now after... Uh, almost 19 years of marriage, so that's pretty fun, pretty active in many ways. (laughs) Uh, But we went to Bible school here at Eastside City Church. They used to have a Bible school called Evangel, and we did, uh, Mark did three years, I did four or five maybe, I don't remember now. (laughs) And then we just really felt a burden to go back to Haiti and do something to change uh, the country there. So as God started to impart vision to us, we wrote down as much as we could. In fact, I remember sitting in our living room with my mom, and she's really good at uh, helping get things on paper. And we wrote out this whole plan uh, of what we felt God was speaking to us. And that was in 2001, yeah. And the amazing thing is, everything that we wrote down is happening now today. Yeah, so. Uh, If you could just share one of those slides up there. I just wanted to give you a little bit more. Oh, no. There was a couple of slides about Haiti. I think. If not, that's okay. Uh, Just a little bit more of um, understanding of Haiti and the population of 11 million people. Over half of the population is under the age of 16. 
So it's a very young country and has a myriad of issues. As you heard in the video, most people live off of less than $2 US a day. Now, you can't even buy a Tim Hortons anymore for that, right? But um, out of that $2 a day that they spend, almost half of it they spend just on transportation to get to the city, to the market, to school. Uh, and after all their other expenses, they might have one meal a day, but it only leaves about two cents for education for them to invest in their children, which poses really big problems, as I'm sure you can imagine. Uh, Haiti does not offer school for free. They do have public schools, but there's not enough of them. So more than 80% of the education system is actually private schools. And they cost, unfortunately. So most kids um, either never go to school or they go to school just as long as their parents can afford to send them. So out of every 10 children, six will go to school, four will finish elementary, one will graduate and one will become a slave. One out of every 10 children in Haiti are still in slavery as we speak now. Which, Mark's experience was that. And that gives us a lot of problems. We don't wanna see that continue. So if God gives us an opportunity to make a change, even if it's just the small thing we have in our hand, we wanna do whatever we can to diminish those numbers and make them better. Uh, so if you wanna to go to the next slide, if you got it there. So this is just a quick glance of this year, what we kind of tried to estimate what our numbers are of the lives we're impacting in our different programs and projects. We started with, um, our vision was to start with the technical school, but it's always God vision to start with the church. Amen? Yeah, so when we first went down in 2003 in the summer, we were going to start the foundations of the technical college and 45 people got saved. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, Mark said, stop evangelizing, because <laughs> we weren't there to stay yet. Uh, but we planted the church, and we now have nine churches uh, throughout the country, and probably throughout all of those churches, there's about a 1,000 members. We also just started a pastor's affiliation, sort of like Minister's Fellowship International here, to help just embrace some of those local pastors that don't have any sort of fellowship or resources or support. And we have a number of conferences throughout the year that we host. Uh, through our education program, we have 580 kids in elementary, and only about half of those are sponsored through people like you that would give you know, a little bit of what they have each month to make sure that those kids go to school. So in reality, you're actually helping send two kids to school when you help sponsor one. Um, we also have 140 kids in high school. We had nine graduates this last year, which was really awesome, and um, 350 students in our technical college, and we also helped sponsor 11 students that went, that went on to university in some of the areas that we really needed them to come back and serve for Haiti Rise. So um, through our health center, we see about 14,000 patients a year. Uh, we have eight full-time medical staff that are all Haitian, and they work five days a week. Um, so you can see some of the numbers there. We also help build homes um, after disasters because we have lots of them. <laughs> Haiti's kind of right in that little cusp of, I don't know, it gets all sorts of stuff. So we've had earthquakes and hurricanes and, and uh, other stuff. So after the earthquake in 2010, we um, started building homes to help 
people get back into a safe place to live. And then after the hurricane in 2016, that was three years ago now almost, uh, we started building a smaller home so we could get into rural villages where you can't get much materials. And we call those hurricane homes, and we've built about 200 of those. Uh, so we just keep building as there's need, because there's always need, right? Um, so wherever we can do that. Uh, we also have a children's village that is a different concept than just an orphanage. We really believe that it's important for kids to be in a family. Yeah, with a mom and a dad. We're losing that in our society here, aren't we? But it's so important. So we have family units, duplexes, where there's two families in one duplex. Uh, we have right now four families, and all the couples are Haitian couples that are Christians and have been married, all of them over 10 years actually, and not been able to have their own kids. So it's been really beautiful to see them uh, grow as a family now. They have... Each home has five or six kids, and they can have up to eight. And um, those kids become their family until they're grown. So um, when that's all done, we hope to be able to house up to 144 kids at any time. And we'll have, that's a biblical number, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we will have two, four, six, 18 homes in there. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, we also do lots of other outreach sort of ministry whenever there's an opportunity to. We have a legal aid office in the next town that provides legal assistance to prisoners who otherwise wouldn't get any representation. Um, we've helped free 125 prisoners out of 175 in the last two years. We also have a goat farm that teaches fifth grade students how to raise goats. And that's, that's a really fun one. They're so cute. <laughs> and lots of other stuff. But So we're just doing whatever we can to make an impact in the kingdom. Wherever we see the need, we try to fill it. Just like a bucket with lots of holes in it, right? You see one hole and you try to fill it. And there's still lots of other holes, but we try to fill what we can so that water can stay in there longer. Amen? <laughs> well, this morning I just would like to encourage you for a few minutes with the word because... That is our lifeline. That's our rock. That's what we have to go to in anything that we're going through in life. Um, as I was really praying and asking the Lord what he would have for you guys this morning here, um, first, because I was mad, I had to like confess and get that out of the way and <laughs> pray the last week or so and just asking God what he would have for me to share with you guys today. And I woke up one morning and this word purpose was just, I dreamt about it, it was like blaring through my mind, and I saw that I was speaking to you guys in a huge auditorium with hundreds of people. So take that as a word that God is going to expand you, grow you. Yes, as you continue to keep your eyes focused on the purpose that he has for you. Um, I just really felt even as we were worshiping here that you're, right now you're in like the toddler stage, right? About two and a half years almost. Toddlers are exhausting. <laughs> I've had my share of them. You're just running all the time and cleaning up after everybody. And <laughs> you're doing all the work, aren't you? <laughs> but rest assured, as they do get older, they start helping out. They can take on more responsibility. You start to grow as a family. You feel more secure in who you are. 
you know what you're called to do as a family and your purpose together to go forward. Amen? So I believe that. God is doing that with you here, Love City Church, giving you a vision, a visionary leader to follow to be able to go forward in what God has for you. Amen? Well, let's look at Ecclesiastes. And now you can put the scriptures up there. What are we here for? Why are we here? Lots of people ask that question, don't they? It's kind of an, an intimate question that everyone deals with in their life at some point, maybe multiple times throughout your life, asking yourself, why am I here? What, what's my purpose? And oftentimes, unfortunately, a lot of people don't find their purpose, which leads to a lot of depression and destructive behaviors, um, loss of faith or lack of faith, uh, dependency on, on substance abuses, um, hopelessness and a foreboding belief that life is meaningless. And even the writer of Ecclesiastes, who was Solomon, they said was the richest man in his day, had everything that you could dream of, had more wives than he could even count, um, that just sounds like a lot of problems. <laughs> um, he, he said, after looking at everything, it just seems so meaningless. Yet at the end of the day, he had a conclusion. In verse 13 and 14, he said, that's the whole story. Now, this is my final conclusion. Fear God. Obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing whether good or bad. So he realized it came back to God. After all of his pursuits, all of his searching, all of his seeking, going after money and building beautiful palaces and a house for God even, doing good things for God even, it really ultimately came back to God. If we are truly seekers of the truth, we'd be seeking out knowledge and couple it with the experience of God. It's not enough to just know about him. We need to know him personally. I love that Jesse quoted this verse this morning in John 14, verse 6. It says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Who said that? Jesus. Who is Jesus? God. Yeah. This was his life song. I'd like to talk to you guys about a life song today. What is your life song? What is your life declaring? If you were to write a song about your life, what would be in it? Jesus' life song was this. I am the way. He went everywhere declaring, I am the truth. I am the life. If you follow me, you'll find all these things. That's our purpose, to find the way to discover the truth and to live a full life. And unfortunately, many people go the wrong directions in this pursuit. They go after a truth that is not actually truth. They try to fulfill their life by all these natural things. But to truly fulfill our purpose, we've got to go to the source, the one who made it all up. He's the writer. He's the one that created us and knows exactly why he created us, right? Your fulfillment in life is dependent on walking in your purpose because without purpose, life has no heart. 
It's just like a wicked experiment full of disappointment. And unfortunately, a lot of people feel that way because they haven't found the source. I remember when I was in, um, well, when I was young and I was kind of looking for purpose and meaning myself, um, I wasn't really serving God yet, and I thought, well, maybe um, all the cool girls are into sports. So if I get into sports, I can be one, you know, one of those cool girls. And my, my um, aunt lived right next door to us. She had a basketball hoop. And so I would practice basketball every day by myself, of course. <laughs> and um, I decided to join the basketball team. And I was getting really good. I thought I was pretty good anyways, since I was my only judge. <laughs> uh, but when I joined the team, I realized I wasn't really that good. The other girls were a lot better than me. And um, I got better. And you know, if you stick with anything, you can get good at it. Um, in our final game, we were tied with the other team. And I was really good at passing, and I was really good at dribbling and all that, but I didn't shoot very much just because of my own insecurities. I thought the other girls were better at that, so let them do that. But for some reason, I got the ball. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go for it. Everyone's yelling and screaming, go, 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 go. And I run down there, and I throw it in, and I shoosh, right? Like, what is it, three-pointer, Asher? Yeah, three-pointer. Like, yeah. And then I look around, and no one's cheering. Yeah. Wrong side. <laughs> that kind of was my, the finish of my basketball career. <laughs> I realized that wasn't my pursuit or my purpose. <laughs> but I did go more into art. I loved art. I always drew since I was like three years old. and loved going in, getting into art, and I began to develop that talent. And it had a deep emotional tie to it. It brought me joy. It brought me life. It was something I was good at without even really trying. And I started to discover, maybe this is my purpose and gift. Because your purpose usually comes naturally to you. And you're willing to make sacrifices for it because it's not really a chore to sacrifice for something you love. Right? And then I really dove into God and found my purpose even deeper in him. And there was a period after high school, I got multiple scholarships. I went to a fancy art college. It was like I was on top of the world. It was so awesome. And then I really felt God calling me in a different direction, into missions. And he'd planted that seed in my heart since I was maybe 16. And I knew that that meant I had to give up what I loved for at least for a bit to put him first place. But the way God always does, he brings it back around and he still, still allows you to fulfill your dream his way. Has anyone ever experienced that? I, after, after numbers of years, I realized, actually, I do still do art all the time. It's just not the way I had imagined it. So God still uses what he puts in you that innate part of your being and your gifting to fulfill his purposes when we allow, allow him to work through it and allow ourselves to submit to him, right? So what I just want to share with you today is these three things. How do we find our purpose? How do we write our life song? 
because he's called all of us to know him. So, of course, the very first thing is to know him. But he's also uniquely called each of us with an individual purpose to help each other corporately fulfill his ultimate goal. Right? If I, if I, if I even just look at my kids, all six of them are very different. Although, if you looked at them all together, you would recognize, yes, they're all honorats. Because <laughs> they all look the same, sort of. You know, they don't look like me, actually. <laughs> they're very brown. <laughs> and I am not. But they all, you can tell that they are all of the same family, but each one of them is very unique. Like, very. Anyone have kids here? Very unique, right? Yes, yeah. So God has a purpose uniquely for each one of us, even though we are all a part of the same family. And as a family of Love City Church, you are building a DNA together as a family that will look different than another church in town that will maybe draw people in to come here because they see something different and unique in you as a body, but also that they can find their place in what they have individually in them because they see you know, each person is exercised in a different way to help the whole body grow. Yeah. He shows us the way, the truth, and the life, both together as a family and individually as the special assignment that we have to fulfill. So first, he leads us to search him out and listen to his voice to know the way. How do we know the way? How do you know the way, like what decisions to make for your future? How do you know? There's so many different ways we can go. Well, if he says he is the way, we need to find out what his way is. We need to dig deep into his word and know what it is. What does way mean? It means direction, plan, method of reaching a goal, uh, fashion, manner, mode, characteristic or habit, a passage or progress on a course. So if he is the way in all of these things in my life, I need to model them after his way. My character, my manner, the way I talk to people, it should model after the one I'm, I'm walking after. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, we know probably very well, tells us do not conform or do not copy the behavior of the world, right? We are to give our bodies as a living sacrifice to God to fulfill his pleasing and good, perfect will. If we copy the behavior and customs of the world, you know, if you, if you don't know the way to go, you'll just follow whoever's around you. Right? When someone is lost, they're just looking for one person to come and tell them which way to go. If you find a lost animal in the street, dog, cat, whatever, it'll follow you home, right? Well, it's the same for us. If we are conforming to the world around us, we're, we're constantly being squeezed by our culture, aren't we? It's like we're standing in a river that's pushing on us, and if we just try to stand there in one place, sooner or later we'll get swept away. So we actually have to go against the current because kingdom culture is exactly opposite of world culture. I don't know if you guys have noticed that lately especially, but kingdom culture is definitely opposite from this world's culture. 
The world just wants us to be mediocre, uniform, silent. Like they're all allowed to say their opinions, but you're not allowed to have one, right? You just have to agree with them. Or they, they, they say they're into diversity until you open your mouth. <laughs> He's called us to be unique, different than this world. He gives us a specific mission. So the way is the mission. So for us with Haiti Arise, we feel like our mission is to raise up godly leaders in Haiti so that they can change their family, their community, their country. That's our mission. That gives us a way that we're, we're trying to reach towards, right? Secondly, discover the truth. He is a man. The truth is a person, a relationship, solid foundation. When we discover the truth of God's word, we realize his commitment, his promises, everything he says is yes and Amen. Everything he says is solid. It never changes. The world is changing all the time around us because they are not standing on a foundation of truth. Their truth is experiential and, well, if that feels good for you, then that's good for you, but not for me. Okay, so if I feel like stealing your purse because I like your purse, that's okay for me? Oh, no, no. Of course not. Hmm. Well, then... Your experiential truth is not truth. Truth is an assurance. It's a faithfulness. It's a constancy. Jesus is the one truth that we can build our lives on. We know this, the story of the man who went out to build a house. One built it on the sand, right? One built it on the rock. As soon as the storms came, the sand swept under the house, and it fell. But the one that was built on the rock stayed firm, right? Yes. So our decisions that we make in our relationships should count on the truth that we are standing on. These are called our values. We all have values. Maybe we don't think about them that much, but they're, they're always in the back of your mind. If you don't create your own values based on the truth, you will just absorb the values of our culture. Right? If he is faithful, then I will be faithful. That's not something you hear in our culture anymore. If he is truthful, the truth his truth helps shape and determine our values. What do you hold true in life? I'd like to give you a little homework after you go home today. Write down, what are your five most important values? What would you say they are? Sometimes you might really have to think about it. Like, well, I'm family, definitely, is my value. But are you spending 80 hours a week working? Not spending time with your family? Marriage, my marriage is definitely a value to me. Well, are you loving your wife or husband, serving them, taking time? So we really have to ask ourselves, what are, what is my values? And are they actually based on the truth of God's word? You see, today in our society, it's rapidly shifting. 
because their foundation is sand. <laughs> it's not ba based on fact or certainty anymore. It's changing all the time. And if you base your, your values on changing truth, it'll be sifting and unstable all the time. In our society, you are no longer actually sure if you go to a wedding, that couple is going to be married in 10 years. Right? If you go into a business deal, how can you be sure that that other business is going to honor their deal? Jeez, you can't even be sure if a man stays a man these days. And these are things that have written documents, contracts with the government. Marriage, business deals, birth. Like, our word, our, our signature doesn't even mean anything anymore. That's why it's so important to build your faith, build your values on the truth that stands, that never changes. James 1 verse 17, he says, such people should not expect, oh, is that the right one? Oh, okay, verse one, 1 verse 17 says, he never changes. He's not like shifting shadows. His light is eternal. That's the one I meant to give you, sorry. <laughs> and third, I just want to share is to live a full life. So we're seeking for the way, which is your mission. You're seeking for the truth, which is your values. And you're seeking for a full life, which is your vision. What is the vision for your life? What do you see, like way down the road, 10, 20, 50 years? What do you want to be? <laughs> what do you want your life to be like? And have you thought about the things along the way that's going to make your life full? I remember when I got married, I said divorce is never going to be an option. My legacy is I want to give to my children a marriage that lasts, grandparents that can help their kids, that will be there for them. That's part of my vision. I'm looking towards, and I'm, I can tell you it's not always easy. We probably had a, a bit of a crisis in our marriage a few years back where I didn't even really like him, honestly, because ministry is hard, life is hard, challenges come your way, and you're trying to do life together, and you're walking alongside each other, but sometimes you just kind of forget to love. And I had to check my heart lots and back up and realize he's not actually the problem, I am. He probably was too, a bit, but... <laughs> But we've really worked hard to keep our love. See, everyone is seeking purpose in life. They're chasing after dreams, ideals, experiences, emotional highs. But true life, in all of its fullness, must be willing to embrace what comes with the challenges and still move forward into all that God has planned for you. You know, most people in life, they don't, they don't want to face challenges. So they're trying to plan their whole life in a way that it's only all success, only all good days. Everything is awesome. You know that song from the Lego movie? <laughs> uh, they don't want a bad day. So when a bad day comes, they don't know how to deal with it. And we all know that life is not assured to be smooth and easy. There will be trouble. There will be challenges. There will be problems. 
God's plan, though, we've got to rest assured in is not to destroy us. Jeremiah 29.11 says to give us a hope and a future, right? That if we seek him, we will find him. We will find the way, we'll find the truth, and we will find full life if we know that he has good plans for us. We have to keep our focus on that because when we go into the storm, so many times people just want to blame God like he's the one taking them into the storm. No, actually, he wants to take you through it so you can be better and stronger on the other side. If you get stuck in blaming God, you won't get through it. In um, Luke chapter 8, verse 22 to 25, Jesus called the disciples. He said, let's cross over to the other side of the lake, the Sea of Galilee. Now, these men, most of them were fishermen. They knew the Sea of Galilee very well. They knew what the waters were like. Under those waters were deep caverns like this. Um, I can't remember. I studied it at one time, how deep they were, but so deep that sudden storms could just come in a moment without any warning. And so they knew, the fishermen knew, if we cross over in that lake, there could be a storm. Did they go? Yeah. What do you think they thought? Well, maybe since Jesus is with us, there won't be a storm. That would put it in my thought. Well, if Jesus is in the boat, he'll just make it all calm and easy. <laughs> is that how it happened? No. No. <laughs> Jesus actually just took a nap because he's like, we'll just see how these guys do with this storm here. <laughs> But when the storm came, they were so terrified, they thought, we don't even care, we're going to die out here. Well, what, oh my gosh, such idiots. <laughs> the thing we have to remember is God does not take us into the storm to leave us there. He doesn't take you into the storm for you to turn around. He takes you into the storm to take you through it, to get in, out on the other side, stronger, better for it, learning some huge life lessons that now you can help others. You can warn them, hey guys, if you cross the Sea of Galilee, especially if Jesus is in your boat, this is what's going to happen. So we've got to keep a vision for what our future is. Their vision was to get to the other side. And Jesus knew what he had planned when they got to the other side. That's where they had the huge miracle, and they fed like 15,000 people. So what's your life song? What's your mission? What are your values? What's your vision for your life? What's your vision for life, Love City Church? Are you on board with the vision of the leadership here? Or are you saying, Pastor Ryan, don't you care we're going to die out here? <laughs> no, he's taking you through. God's going to take you through. You're going to be so much better on the other side for it. But you've got to hold on to the values. You've got to hold on to the mission. Why are we doing this? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I going to Cambodia? Why? Just to go see the sights? No, because there's a calling. There's a purpose God has for each one of you each one of us, to fulfill. If you can show, I don't know, the web page thing. So just, if you, 
Yeah. When we started, you know, everybody's naive when you start anything. You think it's going to be all roses. When you start a family, you think kids are just going to be all great. They'll always love you. It's a lie. <laughs> but that's how God gets us into the program. <laughs> he doesn't tell you the whole story until you're in it. <laughs> it's like, dang, I can't get out of it now. Well, that's how it is with ministry, too. That's how it is with anything you commit your life to doing for God. <laughs> it has a lot of joy in it, lots of joy. But there are definitely hills and valleys, and you've got to stick with what God calls you to do. So our vision takes root in our desire to strengthen the Haitian people spiritually while expanding their skill base practically. That leads everything we do for Haiti Arise. Is this helping them spiritually and practically? So when we keep that in front of us, that helps us make decisions. Our mission, if you can see that, which I've already said, is to raise up godly leaders in Haiti through education, strengthening their families, neighbors, and country, to bring relief of poverty, stimulate economy, to preach the good news so that lives will be saved and a hope for a strong future will be given to Haiti. Whew, that's a lot, but it keeps us going. When you get halfway through, I think maybe we're halfway through right now, if I live another 20 years, maybe 40, I don't know, we'll see. We're halfway through now, we're at the 15, almost 20 year mark. It'd be easy to just be like, yeah, I think we did a good job, let's pass it on to somebody else now. No, we're not done, we're not done. And now go up to our core beliefs, our, our core values, up, up, up. That's all good too, but you know. Our core values is what we cling on to. Is it biblical? Have we prayed over the decision? Are we keeping integrity? Are we being honest? Are we being excellent? We strive for excellence in the technical school. In everything we do, we don't want to just do it mediocre. We want to do it excellently. So when people come and they see, they're like, wow, this is like a little bit up here, top notch, not just this kind of fly by the seat of your pants sort of thing. Excellence, teamwork, family, relationship. We value relationships so much. And we really hope this first visit to Love City Church is just the beginning of a relationship we can build with you. Discipline, church, these things are vital for us to hold on to because sometimes people come with ideas. Even the enemy tries to come and thwart God's plan by giving you cool ideas that sound fun, right? Someone wanted us to start a bank. Mm, I don't think that goes with our values and our mission. So you have to evaluate everything you decide in life with your family, with your job with your ministry does it line up with the values God has given you so I just challenge you today first if you don't know Jesus as your personal savior that's your first step and then take the time to know his way develop that character of his in you learn his truth Establish those values in your life. Let those be your benchmarks, your boundaries, your priorities. And ask God for a vision so that you can see far ahead, way far ahead in the future of where he's taking you. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you.
Thank you for this awesome privilege to be with Love City Church this morning. And thank you, God, for where you're taking them, for what you're doing here already, establishing a mighty house of God in this place. I just pray, Father, for any person here today that may be struggling with knowing their purpose, knowing what you're calling them to, I pray that they would take the time to seek you, to maybe write down, what do I truly value, and are my values in line with your word? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you today. Amen. Thank you so much. If you have any other questions, I'll be out in the foyer, foyer, foyer is American, foyer is Canadian, right? Um, yeah, if you want to get involved, maybe think about planning a team, come to Haiti, you can come ask me questions after. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.